0: At the moment owners corporations and executive committees, they're made up of volunteers of the unit owners. Across the board I can say that they're dedicated people, they're taking on and doing a service not only for themselves but the people that they share a building with. So they do a great job overall, they've got complex legislation that they need to understand and managing budgets is, is quite important. Usually there will be a, a strata management company that's engaged and provides sort of administrative support and can do a lot of the interpretation of the rules for them but that kind of money it's pretty substantial and it's it's the shared money of everybody that owns that building so the intent of that reform is to make sure and to give all of the owners in a building some comfort. Hi I'm Bethel Sandaba I'm Executive Branch Manager for Building Design and Projects at the Environment Planning and Sustainable Development Directorate of the ACT Government and you're listening to Strata with Susan.
1: Welcome to Strata with Susan the show focused on the complex world of strata law in the ACT. Your host, Susan Proctor from Proctor Legal, is an accredited specialist in property law whose daily focus is on helping clients with their legal requirements around strata, developments and commercial property. This is a show where Susan will share her extensive expertise, thoughts, insights and advice on strata law and welcome leading figures from the industry so that you can stay well informed around all aspects of strata law in the ACT. Here's your host, Susan Proctor from Proctor Legal. I'm very excited to welcome Bethel to Strata with Susan today. Bethel is from ACT Government and has quite an important role in having facilitated, worked with and implemented the strata reforms that we're coping with in the ACT at the moment. The reforms in the legislation is impressive and as a property lawyer, I get a little bit excited about changes in legislation and and the fact that it keeps me on my toes and there's a a lot to learn, but I find myself with this piece of legislation day in, day out, every time I review a different part of it through a different lens for a different particular client, I pull out different aspects of it and different parts of it. It's a substantive piece of work. So well done, well done to you and your team and looking forward to how it plays out in practice. Would be really interested if you could just speak to the engagement of ACT government in creating this important policy reform through to the legislation that we now have
0: and and just how that process has worked and evolved. Thank you for your comments. I'd just like to say I can't take too much of the credit. I, I joined the department partway through the process, and the team um, that has worked on this throughout has done an amazing job. So I'd just like to acknowledge the team. So I guess Canberra has is is changing, and we're seeing a lot a lot more apartment living. We're seeing a lot more living in mixed use buildings, and over time we started to get a sense. We started to hear from the community that. The unit title legislation, commonly referred to as strata, um, just there was just some gaps in the legislation that didn't quite accommodate or take into account mixed use buildings, um, and that you know there, there were some things we certainly could could make some improvements on. So the managing Buildings Better Project, which is our name for the for the program that we've undertaken, kicked off in um, 2016. The goal ultimately was to introduce effective reforms uh, to the laws governing unit titles in the ACT. There was a fairly substantial community consultation process that was undertaken, really just to hear from the community what was working, what wasn't working, what could we do better. Uh, And following that, government went through a process of uh, prioritising some of the things that needed to be changed because we realised we couldn't do it all in one go. We set up a uh, consultative group of experts, community representatives, and They've really worked, you know, sort of really in partnership with us through this process. It really has been a collaborative effort across government. Multiple agencies have been involved and we've had lots of industry and community partners to help us with this. All of the work uh, finally culminated with the introduction of the unit titles legislation amendment bill that was presented in the Assembly in November 2019 and then successfully debated in February 2020.
1: The release of the legislation in 2020, uh, February, the implementation date, as as you're well aware, was 1 November 2020. And in my day-to-day work, I'm seeing many people coming to terms slowly with with some of the changes and trying to get their head around it. And it, it is complex, it is, it is dense, it is massive. And there's a myriad of different implications for different user groups within our community. So from an owner's corporation's perspective, they will have certain new statutory obligations and duties and and opportunities. Developers will have new obligations and differing obligations. Conveyancing lawyers will have to deal with things in a different way. Real estate agents will need to understand different different issues and concerns when they're going to sell properties and strata managers will be probably taking on and the executive committees the lion's share of needing to get up to speed with education and understanding of, of what their reforms mean in, and how it's going to impact their particular development. It would be really useful if you could just outline, I guess, from government's perspective, what you feel the significant reforms are and what the hope for objectives are in that
0: respect. As as you said the the reform is the reforms package as a whole is is quite substantial and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different bits of legislation were changed and each of them had a different specific purpose. So I guess there's a few different ways I could talk about this, maybe in some categories around the types of reforms that were implemented. So one of the key areas and one of the key issues that we had heard from the community was they just wanted more information about the process of purchasing a unit off a plan. So we'd heard examples of somebody buying something off the plan. They'd been to the display unit. They'd seen some some real estate images of the unit only to come to settlement. They get the keys and they find there's a few things that just they weren't expecting that weren't quite right. So one of the key changes that have been made through this process is disclosure. Um, and there are new requirements for property developers to provide disclosure statements to purchasers of units um, that, give, that cover key information about the unit. Um, and the purpose of this is really to make sure that the purchaser who may have bought something 12 months, 18 months, two years ahead of construction being completed is kept up to date about changes that can't be avoided, that happen throughout the process. It's not those changes themselves aren't necessarily problematic, but it's about making sure that the owner is aware of them. And then in some instances, those changes will actually have a material impact on the person who's bought a unit. So we want to make sure that they're kept informed of that. And with that information being provided to them, they've then got choices about whether or not they want to proceed and complete the sale, and maybe the unit's not quite right for them after all. So, um, that's a key. That's a key change. The disclosure statements. They are one of the one of the reforms that we've given quite a long lead-in time to implement because it does take time to actually get get ready to be able to provide this information given it's something that's new, it's a new process for the development industry so they won't take effect until 1 July 2021. Some of the other changes that I can speak about are around making sure that owners' corporations have the information that they need to be able to effectively take care of their building. So we now require maintenance information to be provided from the developer on completion of the building to the owners' corporation. We've heard anecdotally and also scenic had experience of seeing that sometimes poor maintenance can lead to poor quality outcomes and again making sure that owners corporations are aware of their obligations as the owners of the building um, to take care of the property adequately there may be special requirements for some systems that It's best if they know up front. And then we followed that through uh, into some of the administrative arrangements for owners corporations. So they now have to consider maintenance as part of their regular meeting schedule as well.
1: I think that's terrific reform that's been certainly welcomed, but also there's been a number of questions raised about how do we go about it? How do we put this into practice?
0: What else have we got? So another change that we've introduced is the requirement for a building management statement, and I'll just caveat that very quickly and to say it's 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 only required in in very unique and special circumstances, um, and that is the case where you have a unit titled complex sharing a building or connected to another building that's on a separate crown lease. So for most most unit owners corporations they won't need to worry about developing a building management statement but for those owners corporations that are part of one of these more complicated building arrangements this is actually a really good opportunity because it sets up a formal structure and methodology for how they will communicate and take care of the management of the entire complex with the other lessees and owners in the building. So I won't say too much more about that one Um, but it is a key reform for those who it impacts but it's not it's not something that most of us need to worry about.
1: I guess one of the reforms that, that you haven't mentioned yet, and I'm sure it's next on your list, is, is what will impact owners in mixed-use existing unit plans to facilitate the perceived possible inequities that have been arising over time due to the different user groups within an existing unit plan. So if, if you could speak a little bit about those new opportunities, that
0: would be great. There's always been a set of sort of default rules that that owners' corporations must operate within what one of again one of the key things that we heard through the consultation is that especially in these mixed use buildings where you may have occupiers of of say a downstairs, um, you know it could be a commercial space, it could be a gym, a restaurant, they have different occupancy patterns and they use resources of the building quite differently so one of the key ones that has come up a fair bit um, that we've been pleased to be able to allow um, some flexibility for owners corporations is around water usage Um, the standard practice has been that water usage is just water bills are divided equally based on unit entitlement but for the layperson out there you could say it's roughly based on your floor space and water bills are, are divided equally and it's shared it, but what wasn't being taken into account is the use of that building. So if you're a restaurant, water use could be much higher than if you're just a two-person household. Um, but your floor, your unit entitlement could be the same, and one there could be some inequity there, and as to how much, how much each of those parties were were paying. So one of the things we've introduced is um, the ability for owners corporations to set their own rules um, when it comes to things like water usage and how water is charged. There's some protections there as well. So it's it, it has to be reasonable um, and, you know, they can't, for example, you couldn't just automatically assign half of half of the water consumption to your commercial units, there's still got to be some some fairness in it, but that's that's a key change that's been made. It's it's interesting the rules
1: now will facilitate being able to and there's an obligation to create a new rule where there was previously a special privilege right. And I've been looking at this for a number of owners corporations where they may have had a signage on their building and so a new rule needs to be considered in light of the fact that the existing special privilege rules are, are going to pass away. Attached to creating a new rule in relation to the special privilege right can also be attached a levy and a cost that's attributable to the maintenance and the ongoing care and the benefit that the particular lot owner has got as a result of the granting of that rule so there's there is additional scope within the amendments that have been introduced to facilitate appropriate levy adjustments on the mechanism that you've just run through to have the relevant unit you know, owner who's obtaining the benefit of the the special privilege right or the particular use of service to actually pay for that and, and for that to form the part of a levy that's allowed or um, attributable to a particular lot owner and potentially the tenant of that lot owner through whatever contractual arrangements they choose to have.
0: That's right there have certainly been like the water example other common things that we've heard from the community where that has been an issue have been things like the maintenance and cleaning of shared spaces common areas bin areas, basement, storage, where the whole building is paying additional costs for cleaning of areas or maintenance of areas that they don't have access to, or even if they have access to, they don't use because they're primarily for the benefit of those particular unit holders. It's
1: interesting because owners' corporations have to look at it and, and the way that the transitional rules have, have been created to allow people time, albeit time's ticking really quickly because it's going to be 1 July 2021 before we know it, is to look at what what is fair and equitable and how to actually put into place something that's sustainable for the future that can be enshrined in the rules. So it's it's definitely interesting um, from a legal perspective and there's a lot in that and it It'll be really interesting to see how that plans out and what assistance that organisations such as ACT Government, Access, Canberra, Owners' Corporation Network, Strata
0: Community Association can provide. It's very difficult to anticipate with any of these. Every unique scenario that may arise, we appreciate that, and certainly from my perspective i appreciate that there will be some hiccups along the way and we've always had a view and we've already had a few of those we've we've gone through and made some tweaks to the legislation post its introduction to make sure that things are operating as best as they can be we've always thought of this as a as a two-stage process and we'll continue to take feedback from the community any additional information that we can be providing and assistance that we can be providing to um, the Strata Community Association, the Owners Corporation Network, um, things that we can publish on our website will continue to do that. And I think having some of those sort of lived experiences will will actually help us tailor that information so that it's providing the information that people really need.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Just speaking with my Owners Corporation uh, hat on as an executive committee of the Owners Corporation Network, we are certainly keen to in through the Strata Reform Consultative Group, um, opportunities for standardisation of certain processes that annually you know, owners have to go through. So there's the annual general meeting notice. There's um, certain motions that need to be passed, forms of motions. There's certain issues that crop up commonly that are governance-related in terms of conflicts of interest and other things. So I think let's watch this space, how we can evolve and work together to standardise and possibly publish suggested ways forward that can be adopted without having to recreate the wheel each time when it's just each year they have to go through certain steps i think certainly the agenda outlines that have been created f- through the regulations for meetings and that all meetings must consider these items is a terrific step forward and then there could be greater assistance proffered, not necessarily in a regulatory form but just in this is what your agm notice could look like
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, this process of developing the legislation and the reforms has been done really in close collaboration between the ACT government and the unit titles consultative group. And we're continuing to meet with that group through the implementate, you know, post-implementation and receiving that feedback. And that's, that's a great forum that will that we'll continue and we'll be able to continue to talk about the best way that we can implement some of these suggestions. Now, here's a question without notice
1: that has been put to me. Just wanted to clarify, and I haven't been able to figure out the answer, but I've come up with three different answers through my own investigation, and any one of these could be correct or any of these could be incorrect. So total flex here, and it might be something that we could clarify moving forward should it it need. But there's a requirement now for owners' corporations to have an audit done of their budget, of their annual budget, where it exceeds $250,000. There's also a threshold for units of owner of over 100 units require an audit of their annual budget. So I've had the question put to me by a number of strata managers, does the budget include the sinking fund and any special purpose funds? And I've, I've had a good look at it <laughs> and my initial reaction was no and then my subsequent reaction was yes and then my third reaction was maybe. <laughs> and drawing on the New South Wales experience is something I think we can look at where there is greater definition around what the budget contains but that that's just might be one area that we have a look at unless you have a, have a response on that.
0: At the moment, owners' corporations they're, and executive committees, they're made up of volunteers of the unit owners. Across the board, I can say that they're, you know, they're dedicated people. They're taking on and doing a service, um, not only for themselves, but the people that they share a building with. So they do a great job um, overall. They've got complex legislation that they need to understand. And, um, you know, managing budgets is is quite important. Usually there will be a, a strata management company that's engaged and provides sort of administrative support and can do a lot of the interpretation of the rules for them. But that kind of money, it's pretty substantial. And it's it's the shared money of everybody that owns that building. So it, the intent of that reform is to make sure and to give all of the owners in, in a building some comfort that, that everything is being accounted for, everything is being spent in accordance with the, with the cases that the purpose that it was provided for. Like I said, in most cases that happens fine and there are no issues, but when something does go awry there, that can be quite serious and have quite serious implications for, for building owners. And so that's, that's really the intent of that change. Bethel, you mentioned that... This is stage
1: one of a process, and it's a complicated piece of legislation. And you've built into the amendments to the legislation the ability to create regulations and instruments to facilitate the interpretation because you've you've known together with your team that there's going to be some fine-tuning that's necessary and some further explanation and some definitional requirements. One of those, which I'm sure you might not have to hand right at this point in time because I have to always look it up whenever I'm looking at a particular aspect, is in relation to insurance For buildings, insurance has been a big issue in more recent times because of our events that have been occurring in Canberra. So with hail and more insurance claims are being made and there's more issues that volunteers on owners' corporations are having to deal with in terms of what's the adequacy of their cover, whether or not the insurance is going to fund the issue, the building defect issue, whatever it is. There's been a slight amendments within the legislation to the insurance requirements with a proviso that details that regulations may be adopted to deal with the apportionment of excess and at this stage there aren't any regulations that, that work with that requirement. Is that intended to be considered as, as part of Stage 2 or has that been built in for the reason that is touched on within the Act itself that it is contemplated that there will be the ability to, through regulation, pass on access to particular unit owners rather than the owners' corporation as a whole.
0: I'll just make a general comment about the process that we're going through so I've mentioned previously that we've got a second stage of reforms um, and that's where we're going to tackle some of the bigger policy issues that we didn't get to as part of stage one also maybe sometimes some of the harder ones that we that we didn't quite we weren't quite able to resolve a legislative change for those in terms of some of the implementation issues so uh, additional regulations changing of regulations things that may need to be tweaked as we go along we really see that as a process that's already started and we'll continue to tweak those things as we go. So we won't have to wait until stage two to make any changes where one is required. Oh, that's great. Because uh, it's my
1: understanding that people will be looking at that in terms of their rules. And that's probably the first place that they can look to enshrine some new systems, provided it's consistent with the legislation as it is at the moment.
0: What's next? At the moment, we're going through a process, like I said, we'll, we'll just continue to take on feedback. So we don't have a set list of what is in and out. At the moment, we're kind of everything's on the table, would be my general comment about the stage two reforms. But some of the issues that we have heard sort of more than once from a a few different areas that that we would like to take a look at and that will form part of the prioritisation that we need to do for the stage two reforms. So that includes things such as owner corporations, insurances, if there's further work that needs to be done there to build on what was done as part of stage one, management of funds and how owners can access any excess funds they may have when needed, dealing with disputes more effectively, including how owners, corporations and executive committees can can deal with remedial breaches. This may involve further examining what the um, ACT Civil and Administration Tribunal can do to resolve these matters, the ability for tenants to participate in meetings but not vote. We'll also be considering more technical development related matters such as permitted uses under leases, issues within unit titling car parks, subleasing common property, changing uses within the units plan, clarifying boundaries and considering how buildings can be more adaptable for the future when when they change. It's just some of the things that we've heard. So there's already a substantial kind of list of things on on, on, on the table, but we'll continue to hear new ideas.
1: Sounds like you're going to be on this project for the next 10 years <laughs> which is a good thing like we need to uh, we need to be evolving our legislation to meet the needs of our community and it's going to change over time
0: and i think i touched on this at the beginning overall the objective for this work is is to make life easier for people living in this type of housing. Um, we've seen that this type of housing is increasing. In fact, the ACT government has, as part of its planning strategy, a target to have 70% infill for new development. So we are going to see more and more people living in in this type of housing. And, you know, the easier we can make it for it to be harmonious for everybody, then the better.
1: Great chat, Bethel. If people want to find out more about these reforms, who to contact, where to go, what's the best access for them?
0: The best place to go is a couple of different options. You could just Google managing buildings better. Also, you can access the information via the ACT Government Planning website, which is www.planning.act.gov.au and follow the links through to build by renovate and then managing buildings better. Bethel, thank you so much for
1: your time today and for sharing those insights into our new, exciting, dense, complex, but exciting strata reform legislation and really appreciate all of your efforts today and and the whole crew that have been involved from ACT Government's perspective. That's been fabulous. Looking forward to working with you with helping create better systems, streamlining processes for individuals and volunteers in these situations to make life simpler and easier and and more enjoyable, I think, is is the next step and, and the next outcome for everybody. And looking forward to working with you on that. So thank you very much, Bethel. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks again to Bethel Sendabar, the Executive Branch Manager for Building Design and Projects from Environment Planning and Sustainable Development Directorate at ACT Government. Really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your thoughts and insights into the strata reform process. Thank you all for listening and we look forward to bringing you further updates on the stage two reforms and cladding in the ACT and ACT Government's response with respect to cladding. Of course, if you'd like to get in touch and suggest a particular topic or ask a question for me to answer on the show, share a story or suggest a guest, I would love to hear from you. Simply visit proctorlegal.com.au to make contact. Until next time, thanks for joining me.